Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for pastors and church leaders. This is Andrew Cook. It's great to have your company again. Christian Basics, Dr John Hall tells us more about salvation. In our Christian Basics series with Dr John Hall, we've been looking at the Bible's teaching about salvation. And as Derek French talks with John Hall for us here on Serving Today, we begin to examine what takes place when someone comes to true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Derek asked John precisely what we're going to consider. Yes, Derek, we're going to touch on just three things. Union with Christ, a radical break with sin, and our justification. So let's start out on the first one, union with Christ. What does that Bible term mean, John? Well, let's turn to Romans 6, verses 1 to 8. Paul is there dealing with the question, if sin displays the marvellous grace of God in justifying the sinner, Perhaps someone had the question, shall we go on sinning? Does sin really matter if it's all of grace? Let's go on sinning that grace may increase. Derek, perhaps you could read to us Paul's response to that in verses 2 to 4 of Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So you see here Paul's argument. We've died to sin, to its power over us, to its condemnation. So it's inconceivable that we should go on living in the same old way. Well, how did we die to sin? Well, we were baptised into Christ. Our water baptism symbolised our union with Christ in his death and burial indicated the real death, the finality of it. So we were united to Christ in his death and also now united to Christ in his resurrection so we could not carry on in the old sinful way but live a new life. Derek, could you now read for us please 5 to 8 of Romans 6. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So we see here again that union with Christ is stressed. It's a spiritual union with him in his death and resurrection. This union with Christ is illustrated in scripture in pictorial terms, like branches in a vine tree. The Christian is vitally united with Christ, who is the vine and we are the branches, John 15. Or like a husband and wife in marriage in Ephesians 5. Or in Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, we are made alive together or in Christ. So being united to Christ by faith means we are united to all the blessings he brings through his life, death and resurrection. 
Paul writes to the Ephesians, God made us alive together with Christ. So that's union with Christ. So what else happens when we come to trust in Christ for salvation? The second thing we're going to look at is a radical break with sin. Keep open that passage we've already looked at in Romans 6, 1-8. At our conversion, there is a radical break with sin. Before conversion, we were slaves to sin's power. We couldn't escape. We were under its condemnation, constantly provoked by our sin, bound by it. People have often described the fact that they were slaves to drink or slaves to immorality before they were converted. They saw it was wrong, but they felt trapped by it. They had no power to escape. But when you're converted, there's a break with that old way of life. We died to sin, it says in verse 2. Our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Can you imagine you were a slave? What a miserable life it was. Every morning, your slave master came and whipped you until you got to work. And so it was that you could never escape. Every morning, the misery of being bound to that work. But one day, the slave master came and gave you his usual kick, but you were dead. You'd gone to another world. You were freed from his tyranny over you. And so the Christian is dead to sin, being freed from its tyranny and power by being raised together with Christ. You see, that death to sin results in a new life, a life where we are God's willing slaves. We serve a new master. Go back to that picture of the slave that's died. The slave master throws the body outside, no use for it any longer can't be any use to them and God in mercy and grace comes to that dead body and gives it new life in Christ the person is now free to live with a master who has so loved him that he gave his own son for him so loved him that he's brought him into his family and showered blessing after blessing after blessing upon him the slave can never get over such love and willingly and wholeheartedly longs in joy and love to serve his new master. That's the picture there in Romans 6, a radical break with the old tyranny of sin and the rising to a new life of joy in Christ. John, can I ask a question where I think there's really some confusion over this issue about dying to sin, Mm. which is true of a a Christian, this Mm. radical break, because... Surely a true Christian still sins at times, even though we ought not to do so. So how do we explain that? Yes, Derek, Christians sadly do still sin. The final deliverance from the presence of sin awaits our final state in heaven. But when we're converted, sin's power is broken. We're no longer dominated by it. We no longer have to sin or have an excuse for sin. We have a new heart. And we have a new desire in that new heart for holiness. Also, the guilt and condemnation of sin are broken because we realise that Christ has died for us and paid the penalty. And so, whilst conflict with sin remains, our attitude to it has radically changed and we're no longer bound to sin and must put it to death, flee from it and live like Christ. 
yes, I'm reminded of something somebody once said. It's uh, that I'm not what I'm going to be because I'm not yet perfect, mm. but neither am I what I used to be. That's the Lord right. has changed me. And Yes, and that's what we must see and act upon. John, something else the Bible speaks about is being justified by faith. Mm. It's a recurring theme, especially in Paul's mm. letters to the Romans and Galatians, well, as well as throughout the rest of the New mm. Testament. So what precisely does that term mean? What, what is it to be justified? It means to be declared not guilty. That's a simple definition. And we're going to look now at, the, again, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, how it defines it, because that's useful. It says justification is an act of God's free grace, something God gives us. And the word justify means to declare righteous. It is used there in a legal sense, meaning to acquit or declare not guilty. And it's something God gives to sinners as a gift. Justification is an act of God's free grace. There's more to the definition, but before we go any further, we'll establish the basis of that from Scripture as we read from Romans 3, verses 21 to 26. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So notice that, justified freely by his grace. So justification is an act of God's free grace. But let us go on with the definition and keep that scriptural passage open before you in Romans 3. Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight, only because of the righteousness of Christ imputed or reckoned to us and received by faith alone. It's a long definition, but that's the whole definition. So we've seen it's a legal term where God the judge declares the sinner not guilty and righteous in his sight on the basis of what Christ has done. It's based on Christ's work and that righteousness of Christ is reckoned as being ours through faith. It's received by faith alone. Let's go back now to Romans chapter 3. How can you be right before God? You might say by keeping the law, but none of us can do that perfectly. So God provided a righteousness apart from that law-keeping, and it comes to those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Such people are all sinners, and to be Christians must be justified freely by God's grace, must be declared not guilty. But John, isn't there a problem here? Because how can sinners, who are obviously sinners mm. and therefore are guilty, how can they be declared not guilty? 
Well, yes, and how can God be a just judge and declare somebody who's obviously guilty, not guilty? Well, the basis on which God has done this is next dealt with in our passage. Our sin is dealt with by God presenting his own son as a sacrifice of atonement. Someone who has turned God's just wrath against sin away from the Christian by bearing it themselves. Jesus on the cross bore God's punishment for us. So then the conclusion is in that passage of scripture in Romans 3 that God could be just since penalty is paid and so he is able to declare the sinner who has faith in Jesus not guilty. In other words, God is still a just judge because Jesus has borne the full penalty the guilty sinner deserved and the guilty sinner has the full benefit of Christ's death and righteousness accredited to them by faith. It's lovely, isn't it, that God isn't unjust because he doesn't demand double punishment, does he? He doesn't pay him. That's right. If Jesus has done the work, all those who have faith in Christ are fully liberated and free and have peace with God. It's wonderful, isn't it? It is. Our thanks to John Hall and Derek French. Well, that brings this edition of Serving Today to a close. If you'd like to get in touch with us, the details follow in a moment. So, this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May God bless you as you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can now send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Until next time, goodbye.